Welcome to the Marriage Prep Podcast. I'm Nathan Hooper. And I'm Allie Hooper. In this podcast, we will give you all the resources that you need to go from dating or engaged to creating a lasting marriage that will bring you more happiness than you ever thought possible. Here, we're going to interview experts and discuss important topics like how to know if your partner is right for you. We will provide you guys a list of questions and conversations that you need to be having to make sure you're both ready for marriage and on the same page. We will even dive deep into topics like sexual intimacy, finances, how to have a fair fight, and a whole lot more to make sure you can step up to that altar with complete confidence. So subscribe now and make sure you guys don't miss any episodes and we'll see you in there. What's up, guys? Before we get started on this episode, we wanted to introduce to you guys our first guest speaker. She's a close family friend of ours. She's a good friend of my mom's, actually. Her name is Wendy Dunford. And to be totally honest with you, I think she's a big part of the inspiration for this podcast. She was the person that we met with. Um, She's a psychotherapist. She's a, we'll we'll talk about kind of all of the reasons why she's so qualified to, to be giving us this advice and walking us through things that that you guys can do to improve your marriages and to set that great foundation. But we are so excited to chat with her today. Yes, absolutely. Wendy's the one who wrote those questions that we always talk about. That's on our website, marriageforpodcast.com, for such questions. That is from Wendy herself. A little bit about her. And honestly, guys, if you guys are going to listen to any episode, (laughs) listen to this one because it is jam-packed with so much value. Wendy dropped some serious bombs that are going to impact your marriage for the rest of your life. So seriously, listen to the whole episode, even to the very last couple of minutes, because she's still dropping so much knowledge. So it is an incredible episode. Allie and I were taking notes during the whole thing because it was so good. But a little bit about Wendy. She did her undergraduate at BYU. She got her master's at the University of Utah. She is a licensed clinical social worker or a psychotherapist. She's been working for about 20 years now in the industry. Like Allie said, we personally worked with her. We had a couple of sessions with her that were really, really good. And she kind of focuses mostly on individuals and couples. She doesn't really do kids, mostly individuals and couples. And then Wendy, you guys can learn more about Wendy by going to her website, which is therapythursdays.com. She also has another website, which is called Real Steps, which is an awesome program she's doing with a friend, which is kind of like a mental health and physical health, like boot camp program thing. So you should definitely check that out. It's really, really, really awesome. And then she also features on her brother's podcast, which is called The Morning Stream. She's on Thursdays doing a therapy session. So guys, check her out. She is incredible. But without further ado, let's get into it. What is up, guys? Thank you so much for joining us here today. This is the Marriage Prep Podcast. This is episode 11 and one that we are super, super excited about. We have Wendy Dunford with us. Wendy is the therapist that Allie and I were able to work with when we were going through counseling. We're going through our premarital counseling to get prepared for marriage. She's the one that designed those questions that we share with you guys all the time. She is a big part of why we're doing this. So we're super, super excited to have her on the episode with us today. Yes. So welcome, Wendy. We're so happy that you're here. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So Wendy, we wanted to kick it off by just getting to know you a little bit better. What initially like inspired you to become a therapist? What has that, what has your experience been? Who are you usually working with? You just want to hear about your story in therapy. Okay. Um, so I, I'm an accidental therapist. That's a weird (laughs) way to start, but I just kind of went to grad school because I didn't know what else to do. And a friend's like, you'll like this program. I mean, it sounds like I'm so irresponsible, but it was great. And I went to the University of Utah uh, to their, the Masters of Social Work program. And I really thought I was going to study poverty and how to help those who are experiencing homelessness and different things like that. And that's all work is still very dear to my heart. But 
my training just started to go into a clinical direction and I just kind of ran with it. So I worked with kids initially, mainly victims of sexual abuse and assault, and then actually perpetrators of those crimes. And so my my uh, initiation into therapy was very intense. And I have felt that ever since that training, nothing is hard. (laughs) (laughs) I started with the hardest work. But I loved it a wow. lot. And so I have, I've moved more towards um, adults because I had children of my own. And then I decided I could not also talk to children at work and then have children. That was too hard. So uh, I moved to adults. And so I mainly work with um, individuals and couples now. Um, and that's kind of where I've landed clinically. Cool. That is so cool. Yeah. And you do such a good job. We like we talk about this all the time, but it was like life changing for us to just talk with you and like have so you have so much knowledge, I feel like. And so we're really excited to just talk to you about things you feel like can help with couples, especially like our audience, which is couples who are getting ready to get married or maybe just got married, things they can do to really like set that solid foundation. Mm -hmm. So no, yeah. And I think we only had two appointments with you, but like that was all we really needed to like set a good foundation and just kind of have some good solid guidance that we could trust on. So I, that's, I mean, that's that yeah. a really big impact for us. Yeah. So yeah, I, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, and so the, the questions came out of work with your mom, actually, where we, we were both just sort of looking at young couples at the time. This is about 2010, 2011, and just seeing problems creep in so quickly in these young marriages that I just, a little prevention could have gone a long way. I'm a, a big fan of preventative care in every sense from medical to mental health. It's, it's the hardest to give because most people don't think they need it. And so they're not seeking it. And so together we came up with, um, a way to work with your mom's like the financial expert. And I was doing sort of the mental health part. And so we came up with these questions and just started helping couples learn early how to do things a little differently. It's that whole train track analogy, right? If you're at the train Mm -hmm. station and you just move the track two inches, you're going to end up in New Orleans rather than New York City, like you meant to. And it really is true. And so I'm excited today to talk with you guys about some of that and and how you can really do something different early and be benefited forever from it. No, that's awesome. And those are the questions that she's talking about are the ones that are on our website. It's the marriageprepodcast.com forward slash questions where you can download those straight from Wendy. You're going to hear from her. And so we're really excited about it. So to kind of kick things off, Wendy, we wanted to know, like, we know you've done a fair amount of premarital counseling. What would you say is like just the best advice you'd give to a couple who is, you know, getting married, they're engaged, they have these plans and aspirations. What advice would you give them? Like, what was, what would be the main advice you'd give them? So I think so often with couples, we, we either have good models, like we've watched our parents get along really well and solve problems in front of us. Maybe we've taken some, some classes or something and, or we've had terrible models and we're like, we're opposite. And so people tend to think they've got a good plan to make their marriage good based on what they've seen and a few things they've read. And that's all good. But there is something so much more fundamental that I think is really important. So, so often you'll be at a bridal shower or something and people are giving advice. And I swear, if I hear it one more time, I'm going to throw something. This advice that is so bad. So everyone listen to me. The never go to bed angry advice. That is the worst <laughs> yes. advice. I've heard Do that so many times. to those people. <laughs> right. And again, it's coming from well-meaning people who maybe it's worked for them or whatever, or 
but the truth is, if we followed them around with a camera, we would watch them not take their own advice, right? Or they would be, I don't know why, advice is terrible. Don't listen to it. But here's the, here's the advice I would give actually, that is very, very biologically driven and important. And it seems so simple. People could just ignore this and go, okay, whatever. I want something hard or something complicated, but this is it. And I will tell you right now, do not discuss things that matter when you are hungry or tired. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Wow. So if you simple. can just do those two things. Yeah. Episode over. That was, thank you, Wendy. <laughs> yeah. No. Everyone take a snack and have a nap. That's your, that's the answer. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's the answer we all want, you know, just take yeah. a snack and have a nap. But then we're not willing to do it when it's actually, when we're actually fighting, right? Like it's like, we just want to talk, but we're angry or we're hungry or we're tired. Right. No, that's so true. No, yeah. I I really so like very that. early, sorry, very early in, in my marriage, uh, we would both come home from work and we're both tired and hungry. And then we were just trying to have a basic conversation about our day. And then we're, we're feeling mad or it's like, there's just not enough oxygen in the room. And so you're getting snippy. And so I give my husband all the credit for this. He just would stop me and say, are you hungry? And I was always hungry. (laughs) That's always what it was. So then we would eat something. And then that argument disappeared because it was not an argument. It was a biological need going unmet. And sleep is very similar. So if we push a don't go to bed till you're, don't go to bed angry, then if that means you're never, you're not sleeping, you are only going to perpetuate the problem. So take care of your basic needs and you guys will be amazed at uh, how much better communication will be. I'm like just thinking from this week alone, like how many times we've like tried to like maybe discuss something and I'm super tired. And then I'm like, let's just take a break. Or maybe we haven't and the discussion didn't go very well. And then we try again, like when I've, when I'm well rested and it's like so different. So that's, that's interesting. And I think that's very, very powerful and, and so true. Yeah, so. no, I really like that. And so I would uh, to add on to that one, because that is like, why do you think that it's such common advice for people to say, don't go to bed angry? And why is that not good advice because everyone always says that but like why do you think that is such a like profound like common thing that people are always saying yeah and i'll throw in another one which is don't fight in front of your children and you're like well of course you're not supposed to fight in front of your children but you know what there are children growing up who then come into my office and have no idea that you can be upset with someone and repair that and make up and communicate well because no one ever showed them and it's possible that mom and dad couldn't do that. And so that's why they never saw it. But it's also, sometimes we think we're being so careful um, when really kids just feel that things are off and then you guys disappear and then suddenly magically everything's fine. And so they're just, this modeling idea, I think can be really powerful to, to get good at this and then show your kids or, you know, by modeling that you know how to do these types of things. And I think the same thing goes with this, never go to, to bed angry. Um, I think somebody said it once and I think it might be true for some people. Absolutely. I don't, not that this is, you know, hundred percent, not a good idea, but if you are tired, then you need to go to bed regardless if you're angry, right? If you are mm-hmm. angry and you're not tired, then you can work it out before you go to bed. So it isn't a hard and fast rule. I think I think humans like cliches and we like a thing that's short and sweet and tells us what to do. And so it's just people giving advice. But I think, so I'd love for everyone out there, any bridal shower you're ever at again or every wedding toast you ever do again, please say this. This is the advice I'd want you to give. Besides have a snack and take a nap. That's a good one. The other is this, which is this person you are right now committing to 
is going to change. And so are you. So creating space for some growth and change in a relationship. Because guess what? By the end of your marriage, your bodies will have changed. Your sex drives will have changed. Your parenting styles will have changed. Your eating habits will have changed. Where you live will have changed. I mean, everything will have changed by the end of your life together. So building in some space for that change, I think I think that's even better advice. Yeah, I love that. I, I'm just curious like to add on to that, I guess, because I think you're right. Like everyone changes. And I think to our core, we we deep down know that we might not think that we're going to change. We think everyone else might change or like, Oh, my husband will never change because we're just always going to love each other. And we're always going to, it's everything's going to be perfect. Right. But when that change happens, cause I think it always does. What, how do you feel like we can, what are some, what's some advice you would give to like, how should couples go about allowing for that change? And what are like, what advice would you give to couples when that change does happen? Like, how do you work with that? And how do you, does that make sense? Is that question? Oh, absolutely. That's a great question. I mean, if we go back to the questions, the the premarital questions to talk through. So the the way I formatted them is like you discuss and then you're going to share about something and now let's do a listing activity together and then we're going to discuss something else. And it's to it's that is the work of how do you think about things right now, mm-hmm. right? Because it, and it's not even that you're going to give an answer that now I'm going to hold you to that for the next 30 years. It's that you can begin to talk about the stuff that's real in life and in your relationships early on. Mm-hmm. And in those early discussions, you can see there, there are differences, right? And you can also see that maybe we're on the same page with some of these things. So that's a good beginning stage. And so to answer your question more directly, how do you build in the flexibility and the openness for change is, again, if we we think we have an idea of what this is all supposed to be. I mean, I, f- I call them Pinterest weddings, right? Where you've got, uh, I'll meet people who, somebody has a Pinterest board with every detail of what they want on one day, right? Mm-hmm. It's so specific and lovely, of course, but it's like, if we could take that energy and put that into really knowing one another and knowing, kind of having our foundation started I mean, that energy would be much better spent in my opinion, because it's just like that one day ends. And then the next day you wake up and no one's got makeup on and like somebody needs to brush their teeth and take the garbage out. (laughs) Yeah. Seriously. This is that, that like the ability to talk is going to be your, your greatest asset as we go forward. So I would say the number one thing people come in for counseling, couples counseling later into their marriages is communication. And I will talk about the things they want to communicate about. There's five big ones that they always want to communicate about. But this is this is the stats we have on this. People come in to couples counseling about seven years into having problems. So they are seven years into some conflict. And not to say that's that, oh, you should let the person change or not always. But it's the, those seven years of trying to navigate that we're different. We think about this different. We want something to be different. So if there's no space to change or grow, then, you know, there's a lot of conflict that eventually sort of piles up. Then at seven years, they come in to counseling and they think therapists are magicians and can fix all that damage. And then you can do a lot of good, but man, that's seven years of of challenge and, and sometimes damage that you are working to repair just to get back to where hopefully we're talking to your audience where they are right now, Mm -hmm. which is, how do I have co- conversations and communicate with my partner 
in open, honest, real ways early on so that it's, you know, and then when you feel it going off course, because you have figured out this good rhythm, you can get help much sooner. You don't need to wait the seven years because it'll get better or, you know, whatever has been modeled to you about couples counseling before. Yeah. Well, I love that. I hope you guys are taking notes. Like there's so much good golden stuff that she's telling you guys right now, because if you think about seven years down the line, like these problems are probably just rooted into like your very being. But if you can, like when he said earlier, if you can just adjust your train tracks where you're on the right trajectory, you're going to get to New York instead of being in New Orleans where you don't want to be. Like, I just love that. And like how crucial it is right now in this step. But the next question I want to ask you, Wendy, because I want to definitely dive into the five things that you mentioned, like the, go into more depth in that. But when talking about change and like understanding that your partner is going to change, I think it's really common that you have an expectation that like, you know, things aren't going to change. Like we're going to be like, before you're married, you might have this idea, like we're going to be totally fine. We're not going to change. Like it's just going to be just how it is right now. How do you prepare for that change to happen? Like, how do you prepare for that and expect that? Yeah, that is a really great question. And and this is going to sound like a non-answer, but it is the answer, which is you are every single day working to stay connected. And then the change will happen. It will happen whether you like it or not. <laughs> right. Um, and part of it is, you know, if you're young, and I, I don't know the age range of people listening, but if you are sub 25, your brain hasn't even fully developed. So you are marrying somebody whose brain isn't at full capacity, unless you're 26. 26, then everyone is fully adult, right? <laughs> Which means there's still literally wiring of the brain that will continue if you're marrying fairly young. So we have stats that aren't great for young marriages. They tend to end in divorce. And, I, and a big reason for that is, you know, sort of the, maybe the, the naivete that comes when you're young and not really knowing what you're getting into. And I would say even just you still have some growing up to do and maybe so does the other person. And so that's where the change is going to come, whether you like it or not. Your brain will change um, and you'll both grow up and you'll start paying bills and you'll start having some more stress and lots of things are coming at you, um, whether you know it or not. So the answer really is this idea of, if you could see my hands, you would see that inertia in a marriage is your two hands going further and further apart. You have to fight to keep bringing it back. And so then my hands would make waves. It's like waves. Sometimes you're feeling closer, sometimes you're not. But you do have to make a concerted effort to keep that togetherness because doing nothing, just even the best of us, even the nobody's doing anything weird or making it hard, it's just a natural pulling apart because time and age and circumstances mean we evolve and we change and we get a little different. So you can get married young, but you have to grow up together. And that requires a little more communication than somebody who's 29 and they kind of figure all their stuff out. And then they marry someone and it's like, well, you already know what's here. <laughs> Whereas someone right. who's 20 still doesn't, you know, there's still music to explore or activities they've never tried. And so there's more growth that comes in those early years, which means you can have this amazing bond but you have to proactively think about coming together and keeping that that connection. And the best way to do that is with really solid communication. Mm, that's so powerful. I like everything you're saying. I'm, I've like seen in our lives to be true. Like we're constantly having to relearn each other, right? Like it's been two years that we've been married and that doesn't, that's not a very long time, but there, we've changed a lot in that time. And so I love that, that, that image of like, we're always kind of just naturally pushing away from each other and we have to like push back and like try to 
learn each other more. So I really yeah. like that. Well, that's really powerful. What have you seen, Wendy, like in your practice, in your work, like what are the most powerful ways that people can keep their, you know, their relationship close together, stay connected. So those hands aren't drifting too far apart where they can keep them together and kind of fight against that. What, like, what have you seen? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say there's, there's two things. One is a reality check and I'm going to give it to everybody right now. So I want everyone to think about their first fight with their partner. And if you haven't had a first fight yet, go have one right now. So this is more applicable and then come back, (laughs) have your first fight. And then you think about, all right, what happened in that first disagreement? Um, And so I'll share mine. So my husband and I, we didn't have our first fight till we're married, which is crazy to me now that I think about it. Like, what were we not? Come on, we should have had a fight by then, but we hadn't had one. And we are grocery shopping for the very first time. And he wants to, or we're we're buying food. I don't know. And I buy, I put yogurt that is kids yogurt. You guys might know it. Gogurt. Yeah. Like I was, yes, 24 years old buying Gogurt. Anyway, I had the Gogurt in the cart and he looks at me like, what? Like, you're not a child. What are you doing? And I'm like, you don't get to tell me what to do. And so there's our first fight. And let me tell you, our last fight we had maybe two or three weeks ago, the exact same fight, but it is not about Gogurts and that I buy childhood um, candy flavored yogurt in a tube. That's not what the fight is about topically, but at its core, there's something similar, which is he wants to save money and he wants to be careful and he wants to feel secure. And I don't want any dude telling me what kind of yogurt I can buy, right? So at its core, I have this fierce independence and he's got this, I need safety and they crash into each other sometimes. So what I'm telling you, we've been married 21 years, everybody. So if you think your first fight was your last, you're wrong. It's called your perpetual problem. You will have it for the next 50 years. Now, It can be something that really damages you and pulls you apart, or it can be something you get really good at understanding. So I know where my stuff comes from. I know why I don't want someone telling me what to do. And so he also knows because we've talked about it. And then I know where his concern about um, security and saving money comes from. And so we both are really gentle with each other's history, why those things exist and how they run into each other. But guess what? They keep running into each other but you know what? Now we know how to handle them so it doesn't hurt us. And we can even just sometimes thwart an argument by going, oh, this is all about Gogurts. <laughs> so Gogurts <laughs> is our code word. Like, oh, here we are at our perpetual problem. So going back to thinking about your first fight and then think about your most recent fight. And I've done this. I've done a lot of seminars in, in a lot of different countries, actually. And what I find is it's universal that when I get people to do this, to think about their, they've been married however long, right? to think about their first fight and their last fight, you can see their eyes just go, oh my gosh, it's the same. And it's because it's connected to something very core for each of you. And so you need to learn about it. You need to be careful with it and not use it as weapons against each other. And that's where we get to my second piece of advice. So the first one is to recognize you will have arguments your whole marriage. You will disagree about things fundamentally through the whole range of the time that you're together. If you want to save your relationship and have it be thriving, then you need to understand whatever that problem is, what that perpetual problem is. And so that's just a little wake up reality check for everybody is there's a thing that you got to get to know. And then I would say the second thing 
is to get really good at bringing cushion to your relationship. So notice I'm not telling you how to talk about these things. I'm telling you there is a thing you're going to have to learn to talk about. And then the second thing is you need the rest of your life to cushion your marriage so that you can talk about anything. And so, and I am happy to share it with you guys if you want to post it on your your page and stuff there. I forgot to send it to you earlier, but it's I call it the five magic hours. And I borrowed it from something and mished and mashed it and I've made it my own. And it is so magical that I really, that's why I call it the five magic hours. I'm sure someone else has called it that too. But it is a subtle shift in five hours a week to really bring cushion to your marriage. So when I have somebody coming in, they've had seven years of problems. The first thing I do, I hear them out. I, I get to the ideas of underlying their perpetual problem, what they're fighting about. And then I get them to, before we can even go any further, is we need to build a ton of cushion around this relationship. It's kind of like a bank account. When you have zero in the bank and you have a big fight, you're now in the negative. And it's really hard to bring that back up. But if we have a cushion, we can have an argument and we're not even getting close to zero. So that cushion is really powerful. So it includes very basic things. Again, kind of like eating and taking a nap. It's like going on a date, telling each other how you admire each other, And if you could just build this in early into your relationship, I know people will say, oh, you shouldn't need to keep dating your spouse, but no one gets very specific. And so going out to dinner and going to a movie and not talking is not what we're talking about when we say date your spouse. So it's very, it's broken down into these, how do you say goodbye, hello in the morning and goodbye in the morning? And how do you connect at the end of the day? And that changes throughout your lifespan. So there'll be a time like you guys probably come home at the same time and can talk without interruption for 20 minutes, right? But let me add four tiny children screaming at you and I'll see how well that goes. Right. Or add that someone has to work long hours or whatever. So, so it's going to change throughout our lifetime, but to really build in these little small micro sort of cushions into the, the relationship, it's just creating so much more positivity so you can handle the negativity. Wow. No, that's... There is a lot to that. That was awesome. I'm, I'm taking I love notes that. over here. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. We're just like casually taking notes in our own podcast. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, got to write that down. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I, I, I want to dive into what you said. I, like, there's a lot to dive into that one. I want to hear about the perpetual problem. Can you tell us more about a perpetual problem, where that comes from, and, and ways that we can manage that so it doesn't become this like marriage ending problem? Okay. So the perpetual problem is it's just important for everyone to agree and acknowledge that it's real. I think um, fantasy relationships don't last at all. And so that realness, and that's, again, those questions really get you to what's real. And, and a lot of the core understanding about your perpetual problem is it's your, what we call your foo, your family of origin issues, FOO. And so what did you learn? What was modeled to you? How do you think about certain things? Um, I remember my husband's aunt was devastated because she was sure she was getting divorced. And when her, her sister calmed her down and said, why do you think you're getting divorced? And she said, because we had a fight and happy marriages, there's no fighting. And that's because she never saw a fight. She had no idea that her parents ever disagreed, which is crazy. Um, and so she really was had no way to handle that. And so there's this idea that you... It shouldn't be there. Well, let's start with, yes, it should be there. Now, number two is this. If you go back into your history in any form or even look at some of your values, you can start to find where what you need and feel really strongly about, probably started in childhood, and then what your partner 
also has that's really important to them? And then where do they run into each other? So here's a really dumb one. If anyone is married and living together, you will have both had an interaction with your dishwasher, correct? Mm, Yep. (laughs) Where somebody loaded it and then somebody loaded it weird or wrong. And or they left stuff in the sink and they didn't do, I mean, so you were raised in two different households. So of course, you're not going to have the exact same experience and feeling about loading a dishwasher. And then what happens is that happens in all sorts of topics. And usually what you can do is, is, and this is why premarital counseling is really helpful, is you really start to find that thread really early. And then the therapist can kind of help you see, okay, this is a thing that you're going to be careful with, right? But if you haven't done that and you just look at any of your conflict and you can kind of pull the thread and eventually you get to Oh, my mom always had really strong opinions about how dishwashers were loaded. And I believe that makes a person a good person or a bad person because that's how she talked about it. And so when your spouse does a crappy job at the dishwasher, there's some underlying old feelings about you're a bad person because you don't know how to <laughs> load the dishwasher. Right. So these, can, these sound silly, but wow, this is where the rubber hits the road in relationships. And so some of this stuff will show up. So it's hard to know what the perpetual problem is until it's yeah. shown up enough and kind of, you know, explore and figure it out. Mm-hmm. And then what you do with that is you learn how to communicate and be clear what is my stuff and from my childhood versus what is your stuff and from your childhood. And that's not always to do without easy to do without a referee. So mm. give you that. So sometimes it is helpful. Like sometimes people may, might not be able to identify their perpetual problem right away. And that's when maybe a therapist would be helpful or therapy sessions would be helpful to identify that so that they're aware of what's going on and can like work from there. Would you say? Absolutely. And if you go through all these questions that you guys have posted, you will find a thread of it there. It will. Yeah, show that's up. a good point. Yeah. That's cool. I really like that. That's helpful for you to elaborate on that. And I agree. I think it it does. I have seen that where our perpetual problem comes back to our roots, our origin. So I think I think that's something that everyone probably deals with. I would I would imagine that you have seen as a therapist. So yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and I would say this. I'd say this too. Just with this perpetual problem is going to always be there. But there is something about the kind of opposites in our lives that are. They they can feel like kryptonite. They can really be problematic, right? But the converse is true too. They can become superpowers. So I'll just follow up with my Gogurt story. So my I have four kids, and my husband and I we were living in Salt Lake, and we were like, we gotta get out of here, (laughs) and we want to go to Europe, and we want to live there. We both had spent time in Europe before, and just love it so much, and just wanted our kids to get out of a bubble and have a different experience, and so we saved and saved and saved and worked really hard and it was not easy. And we moved ourselves there. And I mean, it was a nightmare in so many ways, but it was such a cool thing to do together. And at its core, it was the Gogurt problem, which is I'm crazy enough to do what I want to do. And he is smart enough to save the money to do that thing. So without that, our, our perpetual problem, it turned into a superpower in this sense. And so we lived in Sweden for four years with our kids and we could do that because of our Gogurt perpetual problem. So there, sometimes it can flip on you. You'd be surprised. And that's actually partly why we're attracted to each other, to your partners. That some of that opposite stuff is really why we like each other. And so working so it doesn't hurt us, but also there's some cool versions of it becoming our superpowers. 
Oh, yeah. That's so cool. I would imagine that like, as you start to view your perpetual problem as both sometimes a problem and sometimes that, that very thing that allows you guys to become closer, it like makes it easier to deal with and makes it like, okay, like that's fine. We're different and that's okay. Right. We have differences and we, we're, we're going to keep fighting about these things, but they're also the very things that make our relationship work and make our relationship a beautiful thing. And yeah, Nathan and I talk about that a lot, our perpetual problems and how they're, they're just like, it feels like they're perfectly opposite in that like we we do fight about those exact same things that are the things that bring us closest together. So that's really really an interesting way to view it. Yeah, no, I, I love that. Um, I think that's really awesome. I, I know, Wendy, we're gonna have to have you on like multiple episodes so we can dive into all these different things. But I do wanna hear too about the five magic hours. Like, can you go into a little more depth? Like what are the five magic hours? How can we start implementing that into our lives right now to make sure that, you know, once we're married, it's already like a habit? Yeah, no, that is a great question. And I'm going to pull it up because I just thought of it as I started talking. <laughs> yes. And we'll, we'll definitely, if you're okay with it, we'll go ahead and put it in our like show notes yeah. or something so that people can access that as well, if you're all right with that. Yeah, totally. So I will tell you what it is. And that is you start with how do you say goodbye to each other? Now, you know, back in the day when we would all leave our homes to go places. Um, so <laughs> you days. can adjust this a little bit, right? Which is two minutes, five times a day or five times a week. Let's say you have a five day a week job. Um, for two minutes, five times a week, a a week, you are saying goodbye. You're giving a kiss and a hug and you're having a a brief discussion of your day. And that's total of 10 minutes. And then reunions, that's at the end of the day. So 20 minutes times five times a day. So a total of a hundred minutes. And it is start with a hug and a kiss, discuss your day, no judgments or criticisms, just listen. Um, ask questions to show interest. Do not be critical. And here is the most important thing you'll ever hear from me. Do not have your phones out or anywhere near you. Do not have a TV on, a radio, nothing. Unless it's like lovely music that makes you happy and you can both stand it and it's at the right volume, fine. But nothing else distracting, which is why this gets harder with time and kids. I mean, the second highest divorce rate is when kids have left the home so the first one is about seven, eight years. When you have a couple little kids, that's a very high divorce rate time. So it's very difficult and very stressful. And then the second one is when the kids all leave, couples have nothing left in common. They've made the kids the center of everything. So this is really important that you are each other's, you're interested in each other and you are supportive. Make sure you're not critical and that you really do not compete with somebody looking at Twitter. Like some of the most profound damages happening in couples is they are not actually paying attention to each other when they need to. And then time just goes by or, you know, you're doom scrolling and, or whatever, you're just sitting on your phone or your phone becomes sort of your new attachment. And it just happens. We all struggle with this. So getting really committed to getting that distraction away from you while you reconnect at the end of the day is really important. And then there's admiration. It's five minutes a day times seven. So 35 minutes total. And that's where you compliment, admire, adore. You're just positive towards one another. And then affection is five times, five minutes, seven times a week. And that's 35 minutes total. And that's just holding hands, rubbing each other's back, hugging, just some kind of physical affection. I always have my clients do it together. So they're they're admiring and being affectionate for 10 minutes a day. And if you think about that, that comes so easy when you're dating, right? Like that's all you want to do anyway. Right. And all I, and so we're assigning this thing, which is kind of weird to be assigned, but it is incredibly, it just builds such a big cushion in your relationship. You can handle almost anything if this stuff is happening. 
And then the final two hours, the, the last 120 minutes, so it's a total of 300 minutes, is a date once a week. And I just have couples, one take one date night, one week and the next, and they switch back and forth and get them really invested in making it really fun for the other person, doing new things. It can be all free things. It doesn't have to be expensive at all. But the key is really that it is dating, not just watching a movie, not, you know, like not the same old stuff. And if it is watching a movie, somehow make it special, right? Like acting like you you are thinking and planning for this other person. So that's the five hours. Oh, that's so cool. I think I remember actually um, in one of our like times with you, but when before we got married, you talking about this and I know the questions like really hit us, but the five magical hours, it's kind of like when you're dating, you're already doing those things. But when you get married, real life happens and it becomes a lot harder to like build those things into your schedule. So I can imagine like, like I'm really excited to start implementing these in our life and just be more intentional about it because I think you're so right. Like when you have that cushion, there's a reason that it's like you fight less often when you're dating. It's because you're constantly like making the effort to be with each other, be affectionate, go on dates, like do all those things. And then when you're married, it's just harder. So I think that's really cool and very doable five hours a week. But I think you're right. Like it sounds like it would really build an awesome cushion and just like be such a good resource for when the tough times come to be able to have that safety net, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And I also just becomes habit. It, you don't have to, I mean, I always have people print it out and put it on their fridge and that helps them get going. And then it's like a, it's like a virtuous cycle. Mm-hmm. Will, you'll just feel the benefit and it gets easier. And if anyone has little you know, kids and you're like, how am I going to do that? I'll tell you this magic trick is you just stay at the table and everyone will leave. <laughs> <laughs> After and then you've got 20 minutes because nobody wants to listen to you talk. <laughs> so they will, <laughs> they will disappear. <laughs> I love that. But don't try to do it right when, right? Bef- never before food. Remember my rule is you got to eat and sleep well. Eat, yes. And then you can have these. Once you're well fed. I love yeah. it. No, I love that. That is really good. That's something Allie and I need to actually start implementing into our lives. I'm already getting ideas like, oh, we need to do some fun dates and we need to get, you know, we need to get more involved in that. So that's really helpful for us. And then you mentioned something earlier, Wendy. This was, I mean, maybe 15 minutes ago. We talked about the five like divorce, like five reasons for divorce that you commonly see when you're doing your counseling. Could you kind of expound on what are those five things and maybe what are some things that we can do right now to prepare against those things to kind of like have our, you know, our preparation against that? Okay. So I was just using my hand and the thumb. Okay. It doesn't matter which finger it is, but there's five. Um, so these are the most common things that couples struggle to communicate well about. And often is the reason they're coming into counseling. Sometimes it's, it's often more than one and then can be cited often as the sort of sources of the discontent and eventually divorce. So we can kind of narrow it down to these five things. So it's sex, money, Shocker on those two, right? In-laws and children. And then the fifth one is, and this one is, I think, the kicker and related to our our uh, social media use a little bit or phone use is chores slash how we spend our free time. So very commonly that one will come up because your time used to be your own and now you're sharing it with someone else. And then if children come, now you're really sharing it with others. Or maybe you get a dog and suddenly it's like, well, who's going to walk the dog when I don't feel like walking the dog? And how do I navigate some of that, right? So that, or who vacuums, who does the dishes, that kind of thing. How to navigate that as well as how we spend our free time. Do I go play golf for 12 hours and you don't? And, and so that can be really a, a common one. 
as well as those other four. So I would say, and this is what's cool, is that learning how to communicate early um, about hard things is, it's like a muscle. And, you know, you don't like work out so you can, you know, lift furniture. And then when you go to lift something else, you can't, you can, you can lift other things because the muscle is good for all, all the places, right? And similarly to just solid, good communication and being able to listen to one another. And I, we could go, we could probably do a whole hour on just techniques for communication, but just really listening and, and responding and repairing and being empathetic, all of that good stuff. We can attach that skill set to any of these five topics. And so when somebody comes in, that's what we do. I, I, I look to find their perpetual problem because that, that means it's tied to older stuff and that's going to take some more work. And sometimes that is related to our communication styles. Absolutely. So we do that. And then we also go through these five things. I ask every couple, tell me about how you, how do you work with these five topics? Some folks have no problem communicating about sex. And then, I mean, are ready to just kill each other about chores. Um, And so sometimes it just shows up in different places. But if you're usually pretty good at one hard conversation, um, it, it expands to the others. And so getting good at knowing how to talk and how to listen and how to solve what we can solve and not solve the unsolvables and just really learn to listen can really help with these things. And so it kind of extrapolates to all five. So they're not even that special in the end, um, strangely. They they feel special. They feel like, oh, this is the worst problem ever. And it turns out it really is that all of, all of our stuff can really be um, solved with just, you know, good communication and some fixing of some maybe bad habits. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I I really love that. And I think it's awesome that you happened to write those questions because it really is the perfect tool. I think the way, like the best way to practice for couples who are on dates and they're thinking about getting married and they have all this time together to be able to just start diving into those kind of hard, kind of uncomfortable conversations that nobody really loves to have initially, but are really important and really good. And then they, they develop those muscles, like you said. And then all of a sudden it's like, something hard happens, but they already know how to talk about it and they already know how to be vulnerable and they already, they're comfortable doing those things and having those conversations with each other. So it really does come back to, like you said at the beginning, it's preventative. And I just think that's, that's so cool. And people, I think most people, most of our listeners are probably terrified of those five things. They don't want those to become, come from a a molehill to a mountain, but I think just communicating and especially like just using the tools, like the questions that you've given us, I think that's like such an, such a simple way to implement that, but such a powerful thing for your marriage. So that's a, that's a great summary. And I would just throw this in for just a little pleading. If you find that you are starting to fight about one of these topics or your perpetual problem keeps just sort of rearing its ugly head and you're new in your relationship, go get help right now. <laughs> like, please, right now. The seven-year thing is such a pain. It is so hard to work with seven years of problems. But if it's a year, a year of, of the challenge, it's the, you can go in a couple sessions and get this fixed. You, but after seven years, it takes so much more work. So early, early on, when you sense like this isn't working or I'm not talking the way I mean to be talking or you know, maybe you're just feeling more and more lonely as you have discussions about these difficult things. People, there is help. 
There really is. And good therapists will guide you to both get your needs met and to both be heard and to know how to do that with each other. Um, there's a lot of really good help out there. So to really consider not waiting a long time. And, and then here's my other advice that goes into the cliche category. Don't be calling your mom. <laughs> right. <laughs> and don't be calling your dad because I'll tell you right now, what happens is, now, obviously, if there's an abusive situation and you need to reach out to someone, of course. But I think what tends to happen, especially if you're closer to your families, is you call to complain about something that your spouse did. And then whoever's on that other line hears that. And then you hang up, feel better. That person feels a little worse about your relationship. And then you go make up with your husband or wife and you're like, oh, everything's good. You don't call them back to let them know that it's all good and explain how the makeup went. Now that person is just building a case against your partner. And that is not healthy. You are sabotaging without intending to, of course, but you are sabotaging the integrity of the foundation of your relationship. And, and I get why, I mean, therapy is not cheap. It's not always easy to find and you, it's hard to kind of find the, the right fit or whatnot. And, and maybe there's, you know, someone else you can talk to, but somebody neutral can be so helpful because they are not, they, they don't have long memories that are going to go to the next Thanksgiving dinner. You know what I mean? Right. So, Oh, I love that. I think, yeah, I love everything you just said. And that, that piece of advice that you gave us has been like so helpful for me to just be careful to not just share those, those negative things, but find, find a good outlet, a good person you can trust and you can talk to hopefully a therapist or a really great friend who you can share those frustrations with and and hopefully the good things too, um, to just really avoid <laughs> having those issues between your spouse and your parents or whatever that might be. So yeah, I love that. then eventually the the goal is that it's just you two talking about it. Right. Like that is where you can end up. I promise. You really totally. Can. I love that. I love that. So Wendy, are you, you talked about therapy and maybe if you're one year down the line, you're having some problems, you want to see a therapist. Are you taking new, new, uh, new clients right now? And if so, where can people talk to you if they're interested in working with you? You know, I'm not taking anyone like this in the next couple of weeks, um, the pandemic has really quadrupled my, uh, <laughs> I know it's insane. My busyness. Yeah. Um, but that will slow down eventually. So I will be taking new clients so they can reach me. Um, the best way is through email actually. And it's Wendy W E N D I at W D mentalhealth.com. That's the fastest. You try to call me on the phone. I don't know. It might yeah. be a year before I get back to you. Um, so anyway, sending me an email is a great way. And even if you just need some, some resources or feel like, you know, you're not always sure how to find a therapist near you because some people really would like the face-to-face, um, thing. And that is fair if that's being offered. And there's some, I can, I'll just give you a quick trick of the trade right now onto finding a therapist. Um, they're welcome to, to reach out to me. Of course, I'm happy to help, but, um, is to, especially if you have insurance to go to psychologytoday.com. And they have a find a therapist search at the top there. And you just put in your, like your zip code, right? And then they'll pull up a bunch of therapists and you can do filters. So you can do, you want a male or female, you want someone who specializes in these different things. So you can find, you can click on premarital counseling or of course, couples counseling, some of the specialties. So, so, and you can match it with your insurance and all sorts of things. And it's just a great way to narrow down. If you don't have some word of mouth reference, because that, that's always great because when someone is willing to tell you 
about this awesome therapist they had, you, you can believe that. And it's usually really helpful. But if that isn't the case for you, there, this is an awesome tool to get to someone who is great and probably takes your insurance and you can kind of sift through some of their qualifications. So one thing I love to do with couples counseling is um, there is a, a form of cu- couples counseling or training um, called EFT, which is emotional focused therapy. So you could put that as a filter and you're going to get a therapist who is really well-trained. It's an international organization, but really well-trained in, in working um, with couples in a very successful way that is uh, research-backed and is great. So stuff like that. So if you have more questions yeah. about specifics, feel free to email me. But there are some good tools out there to help you navigate this when it, it's kind of overwhelming and yeah. it's not the easiest. That's super helpful. I yeah, I definitely think psychology today is like the a perfect place to go. We we tell people that at the counseling center I work at. So I think that's helpful. Um, of course you're busy, you're super awesome, and that totally makes sense. But we'll we'll have people reach out to you if they have questions or go to psychology today. I think that's that's perfect. And so if you are in a place where you're realizing this perpetual problem is a little harder to solve than you think it it than you thought it would be, definitely don't hesitate to reach out. I think, yeah, I think therapy is is an awesome solution for a lot of couples. So yeah. Well, I think, Wendy, we are so, so happy to have you on the episode. We're about a little over 45 minutes now. So we want to wrap it up. But is there any last you know, pieces of advice, any last thing you want to get off your chest before we wrap this one up? Oh, it's a confessional. Okay, here we go. <laughs> um, yeah, I, actually, I, confessional, I was joking, but I will say this. And, and the research on, on marriage counseling is kind of dim in this regard. Often couples feel worse after going to a session or two and you think, wait, that can't be good. Right. And it's related to you're digging up all these problems. Right. And it's the same with children. When children go in um, to therapy that, you know, they've, they've got some trouble happening in their lives, that children's behavior will get worse initially until it, before it gets better. And that's because we're digging, right? So anytime you're digging and, and, and sort of knocking things around, it can be really uncomfortable. And, and so especially for you folks who are listening and it's early, I really, really, really encourage you to start to get good at uncomfortable conversations with each other and getting help when you need it and doing your own work if required to handle some of these conversations and to understand your own backgrounds. So often, you know, we, we are born and raised however we're born and raised. We don't choose. And then that's what we're used to. So then we we blend our life with somebody else who was raised differently. And as much as we may think it was very similar, there's no way it's exactly similar. And so you'll start to find where you're crashing into things and to, to start to learn how to navigate that early, I think is just, it is the moneymaker over time. I, when I meet up with a couple, um, and this is one other thing that I, I mean, I hope this doesn't make anyone feel bad, but it is, it's uh, pretty heavily researched, which is we can predict divorce with like a 98% accuracy or 97% accuracy by how someone answers one question, how, how a couple answers one question. And the question is, how did you two meet? (laughs) And you're like, wait, what? And in a counseling session, when you ask a couple to tell me about the beginning of your relationship, what was good, what brought you together? What was the spark? What was, you know, like all of the power is there. And when a couple comes in and it's been seven years of problems and they're like, I don't even know why I married him. Well, we can predict with 97% accuracy that that marriage is probably not going to last. 
Um, but when they come in, and this has happened so many times, it's one of my favorite things, is I'll say, all right, guys, tell me, you know, let's talk about the problems. So we talk about the problems and they, they're bummed and mad and sad and it's hard and we're doing the digging. And then I ask them to tell me that amazing moment they knew they wanted to be with the other person and their eyes light up, then it's a guarantee this marriage is going to work. And so this isn't some like false fairy tale, like make up a great story so that, you know, whatever, but to really, the, the idea is not telling of the story is the key. It's that keeping tabs on the core of why you're together at all. And, and people have 50 years in there, 50 years of great life together. And in that original energy, but it will go away. Even the best version of this, the healthiest version of it will go away if we don't take care of it. So that's really overall is treat this like it's the precious gift that it is and, you know, keep sort of consistently working at it. And when people go, oh, marriage is hard work. Marriage isn't hard work. Marriage is work. It's hard work if you wait seven years with problems. It's work if you do it every day and build this cushion. So that's what's so fun about these early intervention stuff is that you can have that. You can do that. You just need some of the guidance. Yeah. Wow. I love that. There's like nothing we can say that will, <laughs> that will top. That's just perfect. Yeah, that was incredible. Yeah. Always saving the best for last one. We really appreciate that. That was, <laughs> that was awesome. Yes. So okay. I think we're going to wrap up, but Thank you so much, Wendy. We really, really appreciate this. If you guys, if anyone has questions, obviously you can always reach out to us and, and we will direct you to the right to the right place. But hopefully you learned a lot today. I know I did. Um, and I'm super excited to implement these things. Like we said, we'll, we'll include, we'll get those five magical hours from Wendy and put those in our show notes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We and, know. and we'll also include links to her websites, Therapy Thursdays, and then therealsteps.com. So you can get connected with her, see what else she has going on reach out to her. Obviously, like you saw, she's amazing. She has a wealth of knowledge, just incredible woman and just a great therapist. So definitely reach out to her if you have any questions. And we're super, super grateful for you, Wendy, for being on the show and willing to take some time out of your busy schedule to to join us here today. Thanks for having me. You guys are awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, Wendy. We'll see you. Bye.